the Bench is a podcast created by ASCLS that will discuss the scientific and not-so-scientific ideas in laboratory medicine. We are joined by members of ASCLS who are fellow scientists, educators, and researchers. We share ideas and talk nerdy. Hi, I'm Sam, a clinical lab scientist working for a biotech company. And I'm Lindsay Davenport-Landry, a laboratory manager. And today we have a special guest joining us, Beth Warning. Beth is an assistant professor in the Medical Laboratory Science Program at the University of Cincinnati College of Allied Health Sciences. Beth also serves in ASDLS as the Region 4 Director. And recently she authored an article in ASDLS Today called Knowledge Sharing and Succession Planning in the Lab. So we really wanted to invite Beth on the podcast because in my job going into many different labs, I see knowledge sharing and succession planning issues all over the industry. So I thought this was a great topic to talk about on the podcast. So welcome, Beth. Thanks, Sam. And thanks, Lindsay. I appreciate the invite to be here tonight. So we really wanted to learn more about kind of where you started this article from and like what prompted you really to write this topic for ASCLS today? Well, truthfully, um, ASCLS today has went to kind of guided publications where they're trying to do themes per issue. So the issue that I was writing for had the theme of knowledge transfer. So that kind of led me to think, well, what about succession planning and how do we transfer that knowledge as people are retiring? So currently, we know that the medical laboratory science profession is experiencing a workforce shortage. We talk about that when we go to the legislative symposium. Um, We see it in articles that have been written. One of the reasons for the workforce shortage is retirements. So how are we using that knowledge that we need to replace our retirees while at the same time keep the level of expertise within the laboratory? That is the question of the day and most of my days (laughs) as I've seen so many people in my laboratory retire over the last five years. It is just crazy and we haven't had that turnover in our profession for quite some time. So I'm I'm really interested to hear more about what you have to say about this uh, topic. So uh, based on the U.S. Bureau of Labor uh, Labor Statistics from 2019, we are going to need about 35,000 more employees by the year 2028 in the laboratory. And a lot of that is going to be due to retirement. And uh, this is called the silver tsunami, where all of our retirees (laughs) are going to reach that same age at about the same time. I've never heard that term, but I'm going to start using it. (laughs) that's a huge number 35,000 more employees in eight years so those those are people that are freshmen in high school right now if they end up going going through and getting a four-year degree wow and that's not very far away (laughs) no it's not and with that with that thought like there's fewer schools out there well fewer schools Mm -hmm. from when I went to school I think we're kind of holding steady with our med lab science programs right now we're not seeing the closures that we saw back in the late 70s and in the mid 80s so I think we've kind of stabilized a little but the schools aren't taking as many students or we don't have as many clinical sites for the students to uh, do their rotations in so that helps keep the classroom numbers a little smaller because for every student you also need a clinical rotation for them. That's true. And there's fewer people at the bench to help with those rotations because we're shorter staff because of the silver tsunami. (laughs) Exactly. So I guess, why do we think that lab professionals struggle with succession planning? Well, it could be an internal uh, thing that we don't realize 
that everyone's going to be retiring at the same time. But I think the biggest thing is that we don't know what we don't know. We don't know how much knowledge an individual has or what they bring to the table in their job and in the workplace. We all know that we've got that one person we can go to who seems to know all the answers or has always been the go-to person. So we don't really know their level of knowledge until they're gone. And then who's that expert that we're going to go to in the laboratory if that person is no longer there? That's a really good point. And I wonder too, if even that person may not even realize exactly how much power and the knowledge that they have that other people are missing too. Well, that's a good point, Sam, because in business, there's this thing called the 70-20-10 rule. And with that, according to the rule, experience counts for 70% of the employee's knowledge. 20% is colleague interaction, such as interacting with our uh, nurses or uh, respiratory or you know, other healthcare workers. And then uh, 10% comes from their education and training. So wow. as people retire, 70% of that knowledge is experiential. Wow. Wow. That's huge. So how can we keep some of that knowledge in our lab? We can set up succession planning. So as you said, we're going to do a webinar on this topic. And with this, we'll talk about some of the ways that you can do planning, um, succession planning, mentoring, coaching, one-on-one -on -one interaction, documenting everything you do, writing down cases and how you handle certain situations. So there's a lot of different methods out there that we can bring into the laboratory to help with the succession planning. I'm going to need to listen to this. <laughs> I, uh, I struggle with that because, you know, you do something and then later on you're like, why did we make that decision? Right. Or yeah, who did they always hard. call? Yeah. You yeah. Know, who, who was the contact for that? Oh, you know, Beth had that and Beth is no longer here. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So are there other types of people that we uh, need to be or try to avoid or um, do we have to listen to the webinar to hear all about this? Well, <laughs> we will talk about what's called the barriers to um, knowledge transfer and those can be individual people that are actually acting as the barrier. Uh, one of them is called the knowledge hoarder. Uh, this individual has a lot of corporate knowledge, has a lot of uh, basic common sense that they know exactly what their job is, but they don't share that. It might be a fear of losing power, um, that they have this control and this gives them some authority because they have all of this knowledge. And so they're a little reluctant to do any of the sharing. So if they leave the organization or if they retire, all of that knowledge is gone. And you'll say, I don't know how she did that or how he did that because they're no longer here. So they will take all of this knowledge and just keep it all to themselves and not share. So that's one. Um, do you want to hear another? Yeah, when I was reading the article that you wrote for ASCLS today, when the control freaks um, is one of the barriers, I have to admit that I kind of related to that and I felt <laughs> a little no. bit like, okay, I think I might be a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> So what is, how does a control freak kind of um, become a barrier to succession planning that? So the, the control freak has an opinion on everything. And so they want their way to be the way that everybody does it. And so if they are sharing their knowledge, they're going to say, well, some people might do it this way, but I think you should do it this way. And I think this is the best way. And this is the way that I do it. So they're going to want to imprint upon you 
the way that they do everything and make you a little mini me so that you're doing everything the way they want it to be done. I'm sure it's by the SOPs, but just a little quirkiness of, again, uh, being in control and now having that power to uh, share their knowledge and their experience with someone else. And if you're a new student or a new graduate, you might look to that person and think, oh, wow, this probably is the best way I need to do it. But in reality, it's an opinion. It might be the opinion of the control freak that this is how you have to do it. And I know that in the lab, as, as lab professionals, we're kind of notorious for being introverted. Many people feel introverted. And you write in the article that introverts can, that can be a barrier in some ways to passing on the knowledge. They can, because the introvert may have a lot of knowledge and experience in the laboratory, but they're just not comfortable sharing that information. Um, that's part of being an introvert is they like kind of to work in their, their silo and to, to get their job done and they're very good at what they do. But when it comes to training or having students shadow them at the bench, that's not their comfort level. And so they're going to be taking information or keeping that information with them when they retire because they're just not comfortable doing a full mind dump, if you would, on how to mm -hmm. train or share with the, the new person coming in. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, uh, you're right, as a profession, we are overall introverted, even though some of us aren't. But I mean, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. That's a that's a great point. I never really thought about that. But when you are discussing these, I'm thinking about my lab and like, huh, maybe that person, that's why they don't really want to have that person. Yeah, maybe that's some of the reason why some people are more uncomfortable training or don't really want to train new students or new grads because, yeah, they're just introverted and they just kind of want to do their own thing, which is, yeah, it's good to recognize these differences so we can kind of figure out how to work with them if we can. One of the things you write about is organizational politics. That's a tough one. It is. And again, sometimes that individual is not going to want to share. Um, they may be disgruntled. And so they're just good riddance. I'm out of here. I'm not giving you any of my information. Um, they may just, you know, give their two weeks and say, I'm on vacation for the next two weeks, um, but they've got information and they're just reluctant to share for whatever personal reason. Other parts of organizational politics is to think about budgeting. How many people can really have that time to hire the new person in before the retiree leaves? Financially, the, the organization's not going to allow that to happen. So you don't have that time for knowledge transfer to occur because of just the way that the staffing is or HR requiring us to have a vacancy before they can post for the vacancy. So yeah. the person really has to leave. Double encumbering is, is great ideally, but often we don't get approval to hire that person until it's too late. Yeah, and the value that even just, even just a few weeks, I think, of some knowledge transfer between someone who's retiring and someone who's taking their place, I feel like could be huge, but yeah but sometimes it's just out of the laboratory's control even if you could just tell them where the files are and <laughs> you and know those <laughs> those sorts of things that's one of the things is to do documentation and to do some some type of storage just to have it all documented and written down so that we can have access once the individual leaves but you have to have time the, the person that's retiring has to have time or the person that's leaving the organization has to have time away from their normal duties 
Um, they have to have time to mentor. They have to have time to do coaching. We have to have support of the whole management team to allow this to occur so that we can have some type of succession plan in place as people do start uh, retiring and leaving hospitals. So this is really resonating with me because we had a manager for a long time who did just that, you know, had had a plan, everybody she talked to, like where to find the file. And it's a great little pamphlet that says what to do. And then we lost our um, lab manager after her very suddenly. And oh. some things had changed. And we didn't even, we didn't think about the fact that we had to share this knowledge in a, you know, a different, you know, avenue. And so we had like um, kind of an unfortunate awakening that we hadn't shared the knowledge that we needed to in some situations. So this is, this is really resonating with me. And now I kind of want to listen into your podcast or your, uh, sorry, your um, webinar. Thank you. That word was gone um, to find out some other tools because I am struggling with that. Like, how do I write these things down to share in the future? Like if I don't verbalize it right away to somebody else. So and that's a good Point, Lindsay, yeah. saying that here we're talking about retirement and people that are planning to leave. What about those that do unfortunately have an illness or suddenly are unable to be in the lab any longer? That's a whole other part of why we should have some type of plan in place, whether it's mentoring, coaching, document sharing, so that everyone's aware and we don't have those knowledge hoarders or control freaks with a lot of information that is totally internalized to them and not shared with the rest of the lab. Yeah. So the webinar is coming up, you said, Sam? Yeah. So I want to make sure all of our listeners know when the webinar is because Beth is going to share some really concrete tips and information and methods that you can use in your laboratory um, to really do successful succession planning. Um, so the webinar is March 5th at 8 p.m. Eastern time, and it's free for ASDLS members. So if you're an ASDLS member listening to this, mark your calendar for March 5th, 8 p.m. Eastern. You can definitely jump on, listen to this awesome webinar that Beth has. But if you're not a member, it's only $10. So this is another awesome way to get information for your laboratory and for you know for your succession planning because I think we can all resonate with this message. Yeah. Do we know if they record this Beth? I believe they do and that it would be put into the online education platform that ASLS okay. has. All right great great because I always have the best intentions of getting on calls at the right time right. but well that doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it doesn't yep, work out for your schedule yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Beth, for joining us today on the Off the Bench podcast. I really appreciate all of your knowledge sharing and looking forward to listening to the webinar. Well, thank you, Sam. and Thank you, Lindsay. And that's it for this episode of ASDLS Off the Bench. We'd love to hear from you. Check out the ASDLS Off the Bench Facebook page to join the discussion. 